I'm Pat McKay, and this is Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. That is our focus. That will always be our focus, because it's the very best subject upon which to focus. This we know. I have two guests with me today, Jeff Stolte from Providence Ventures and Ramu, oh boy, I'm going to forget how to say this already, Potteruza. 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 I got to think Kalamazoo. Potteruza. Potteruza. Yeah, I would, and I would accentuate the, the moo on Ramu, so it's Ramu Potteruza. Ramu Potteruza. Ramu, God, it's got such a ring to it. And Ramu Potteruza from Binary Fountain. Thank you both for being on the podcast. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Ramu, you have quite the resume. More than 20 years of executive management experience, including seven years as the CEO and co-founder of Avail Media, now Viewbiquity. Prior to that, you were president and COO of Intelsat Limited, a 1.2 billion global company. You served on the boards of Wild Blue, the Johns Hopkins Advisory Board, and the American Red Cross National Capital Area, and you currently serve on the board of Children's National Hospital and SES, the world-leading satellite operator. In 1998, you were recognized among the top 20 CIOs by CIO Magazine and honored as 2010 Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young for Technology in the Eastern Division. You received your Bachelor of Science degree in Mathematics and Computer Science from Oklahoma Christian University and a Master of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from Johns Hopkins. You also attended the Stanford Executive Program, and you are currently President and CEO of Binary Fountain, the focus of today's podcast. How's that for a mouthful of accomplishments? Well, thank you. It's all, you know... It's, it's, it's called, uh, you, you got to figure out how to succeed if you have opportunities and you got to have family, great partners like I've had with Jeff and others to be able to do it. So uh, it's not a one man show. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into all that stuff. Uh, but before we jump into that, we, we, we have to talk about this electrical engineering thing. How do you go from doing graduate work in electrical engineering to the path you forged in executive management. There has got to be something interesting there. Um, you know, I, I came out of school, you know, wanting to be a professional athlete. And I figured that that wasn't going to work. So I went into computer science and then electrical engineering uh, of being of Indian origin. I hate to say it, but, you know, you get at a young age, you get about mathematics and engineering and other things that, that need to be done. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. So then I followed being an engineer. And once I became an engineer, I was with a company first called Contel. Uh, We were contractors to Intelsat. All along, I kind of moved up the ranks. Engineering allowed me to think in a very logical way. And as you grow up in businesses, you kind of have to bring that logic in. And next thing I know, I'm becoming an executive and eventually a president. It's, uh, I I thank the engineering background for allowing to me think logically I still use a lot of my engineering skills uh, when I'm working every day, and that's what happened. That is a far more sensible response than I was expecting. I just figured you'd be like, I forgot how to use the number eight, and so I was, I was out. No. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I love it. So all that, obviously, and, and, and we'll get in again, we'll, we'll talk about some of this stuff, but it eventually led you to Binary Fountain. Uh-huh. Now, when, when I 
Picture a binary fountain. I see ones and zeros spouting out over tiered basins of high-resolution ornamental concrete. Uh, is that how you picture it too, Ramu? <laughs> I'd like to say that I, I came in, uh, the founders created the name Binary Fountain based on analytics was their reasoning and a wealth of information. Those were the two data points that I've been told. Uh, now that we're into it uh, with along with Jeff for a couple of years, it's kind of funny. I think in the healthcare industry of what we do, uh, we've become uh, a, a, a name that people recognize. So I'm not sure we're going to change it, but it is about a wealth of information. And that's what we do today. Yeah, that works. Fountain, digital information, that, that all works perfectly for me. Let's talk a little bit more about your company. Can you, uh, can you kind of give us the sort of give us the lowdown on Binary Fountain? Binary Fountain, you know, so the first thing is this. Today in the real world, there's enormous transformation that is happening that patients are experiencing. And you've heard this, this word a lot in healthcare. There's new consumerism happening. They're treating their doctors and the facilities and the hospital systems the same as, unfortunately, as they buy a TV set or anything else. They want to understand. So the journey of a patient is the same as a journey for a consumer. Jeff is much more of an expert at this because he's been living this healthcare ecosystem for many years. But the transition that we have seen is the patient experience is not just at the point of care, it's their entire journey. And so what Binary Fountain does is allows health systems to understand what that consumer is doing and the issues it has with its health systems during that entire journey, from thinking about it to actually making an appointment, to seeing the doctor, to leaving the doctor, giving feedback to that doctor, that entire ecosystem is where Binary Fountain plays in allowing hospital systems to understand what's happening and also to communicate back to the patient on addressing their issues. And where we capture all these different points of entry is people are sending it on Facebook, Twitter, Google, surveys, internal phone calls, hospital notes. So the patient voice is being distributed in many different areas. And what Binary Fountain does is synthesize all those conversations into a single source of what is being said about the patient. Certainly the consumer journey and things like reviews are now such an important facet of modern commerce. It, it really it, it really does just make sense that busy medical practitioners could use help with that stuff. And we'll talk more about that. Jeff Stolte, thank you for being on the podcast yet again. Uh, you and I have done this a few times now. So thank you for being such a workhorse. My pleasure, Pat. I guess I just miss you when you're not peppering me with astute questions. It's it's great. To, it's great to be here. <laughs> Always such such astute questions. Yeah. From a guy who 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 has who has, has not ever had one job in the, in the uh, in, in either the financial or the VC or the healthcare industry, but hey, I've been in communications, so here I am. I know about communicating, at least I hope I do. Um, for those of you who don't yet know Jeff, you're a recognized speaker and leader in the healthcare venture capital space. 
You have 15 plus years of investment experience in medical technology. You're currently a partner with Providence Ventures where you helped build and now manage a $150 million VC fund on behalf of Providence St. Joseph Health, which is a $23 billion healthcare system. Let's just start with this. Tell us how you and Providence got involved with Binary Fountain and our guest Ramu Potorazu. Sure. So Binary Fountain's relationship with Providence actually predates the formation of Providence Ventures, which is somewhat unique to our model. When I met Ramu, he was in the early stages of scaling the business and was about to embark on a material fundraising effort. And under the heading of healthcare technology is a small world, it turns out that a former colleague of mine knew Ramu from his Intel sat days and made the introduction. Uh, Ramu's background as a C-level executive coming in to build a healthcare technology startup was intriguing to me. Things just sort of built momentum from that point on, and we joined our friends at HLM Venture Partners who led the company's first institutional fundraising round that I alluded to earlier. So, Jeff, you know, I, I just briefly mentioned earlier that, you know, obviously these days the customer journey and things like reviews are, are, are uh, you know, a huge part of modern commerce, and they have been for a while Yelp and TripAdvisor's business models are based on them. Companies from you know, Amazon to Uber rely on them. But specifically, online reputation management and customer experience companies are, are relatively new. What's your experience you know, with working with a company like this in the medical field? Do, do they automatically see the benefit of, of reviews and, and, and overall reputation management? So as an industry, healthcare providers and payers, for that matter, have been talking about, quote unquote, consumerism for well over a decade. Ramu made comment, you know, about this earlier, and I, I certainly agree. In fact, I remember writing a white paper on this topic in the early 2000s at my previous employer when it was a, you know, it's, it's quaint to think now kind of a, a, a new topic, right, for healthcare. And in many cases, the initial companies in this space had a common origin story. It was usually a founder who unfortunately experienced the healthcare system in a personal way and came away from that experience feeling there had to be a better way, right, to engage patients as consumers, which is not traditionally how, you know, I, I think we've thought about our, our patients and their families. However, another common theme in healthcare technology is that adoption typically follows the dollar. If we look back at the technology adoption incentives of the Affordable Care Act introduced into our ecosystem, that was when providers finally got off the sidelines and finally began deploying end-to-end -end clinical information systems, or EMRs, or use your acronym, because their payments were tied to that milestone. So we saw a wave of adoption of EMRs going from like less than 10% um, adoption in 2008 to over 90% by 2015, which for healthcare is an extremely short period of rapid adoption of technology, right? It's just, we, we tend to be unfortunately a laggard in, in sort of information technology adoption, at least in this industry. And so similarly, I, I feel several underlying trends, some of them economic, have been tailwinds for Binary Fountain's success in the market. Given the cost-shifting dynamics in, in the healthcare industry with respect to healthcare services in particular, and the rise of concepts like high-deductible plans, patients are spending a lot more of their own money for their own healthcare. And from an economic standpoint, are learning to shop and demand more for their dollars. So Binary Fountain really helps Providence and its other clients better understand our reputation in the markets we serve down to a clinic interaction level so that we can target improvement and ensure that we're better meeting patients and their families where they are on the consumerism curve. When they're spending their own money, they certainly kind of want to know 
a lot more about what they're what they're getting into. So it, it makes sense that that sort of is driving, you know, this this, this desire or this necessity to, to get a handle on reviews and reputation management and responding and being able to, uh, you know, make that a big part of your business model. You know, it makes sense. Ramu, are you now or have you ever been the type that that leaves reviews everywhere you go online? Um. It's, it's, the answer is probably no, because of my age. <laughs> I'm in that category. <laughs> you, you know, my, uh, I know that my kids who range from 35 to 29 are leaving reviews everywhere. But I will say this, I do tell, now that I'm in this business, I, I fill out a lot more surveys about the practice and what's happening when I get an opportunity when I'm in the office to give a lot more feedback. So my whole way of how I, you know, have interacted with the health systems has changed dramatically since I started being the CEO because of what Jeff said. And I think I just want to I want to add one thing to what Jeff had said. What we do at Binary Fountain is just not online reviews. We're getting information from many different sources, over 200 sources. Today, we're probably processing close to 150,000 surveys a day that's, you know, capturing with all of our current customers and getting information from all of those to describe the patient experience. And so I think, you know, that is, that's becoming more and more uh, important that there's many different sources that people are talking about their experience. And obviously when you think about what's going on in healthcare with doctors and clinics and hospitals, in general, being just incredibly busy places, you know, um, constantly, often, for a lot of them, worrying about a steady stream of life and death issues. Um, obviously, they're not going to have time to do that kind of work, which ultimately, you know, it's not hard to argue that it has a big effect on, on P&L. Um, but, but because they are very busy places and, and, and they have, you know, other kinds of health priorities in front of them, how do you go about getting these, uh, you know, doctors and clinics and hospitals to prioritize the importance of managing their reputation? Well, I think Jeff said it better than anyone could. It, it really is today we're talking about value-based. Um, hospital systems today are getting reimbursements based on the CAP surveys. And so what we're allowing uh, hospital systems and practices to do is to get in front of that, is to address these issues real time. I think the thing that we also do is we synthesize the information. Every time somebody complains, there's not an event that goes on. Some people want that, but we're synthesizing information and giving trends of what's happening so that it's more, you know, that they don't have to react every day, but they sit down once a quarter, once a month, and they review and they think, here are the things that we've done good. Here are things we've done bad. Uh, many systems today, some of the large health systems, what they do is they're actually closing the loop back with the patient immediately. Patient complains, they're come communicating back because they believe that keeping a patient informed is a lot more important to, in today's world. You know, as the systems are larger, more people are addressing the daily issues of how to work with the patient. For these doctors and clinics and hospitals, you're not necessarily hitting them with every detail of every review of every little piece of feedback, every little line from the survey. You're giving them kind of a narrative so that they know how to respond and uh, they kind of in general know how they're doing and it, and it gives them an idea of how to work better. Is that one way to kind of look at it? That is correct. So Jeff, 
We, uh, as you know, <laughs> we talk a lot about scaling on this podcast. You already, you already uh, brought the word up earlier on, uh, simply because it's such an important part of creating a successful innovation company. How has scaling um, Binary Fountain gone? And now I realize, you know, again, this company was, uh, your relationship started in a very different way. But maybe the better question is, how has scaling, evolving uh, the, the scaling of Binary Fountain gone since, since, you've, since you've gotten involved? You know, because again, as we've talked about, on the one hand, there are, there's a lot of examples in the tech field of why reputation management is incredibly important to a company. But on the other hand, you know, getting busy practitioners to prioritize this again, you know, I just keep going back to that because we talk about that a lot on this. They have so much on their plate, you know. Has it, has it been hard to scale? Has it been easy to scale? How has this evolution uh, been from your perspective? <clears throat> that was my answer, by the way. It was per, it was succinct. Yeah, it's a great question, Pat. Um, so scaling a healthcare technology business will always be, in my opinion, and I, I grant you it's a very biased opinion, more complicated than scaling, for example, a pure play consumer business. The technology side is relatively straightforward and having a deeply experienced technical team and a CEO like the team we have at Binary who are used to managing from their other businesses and experiences terabytes of data for truly mission critical operations like launching and managing satellites is helpful. I mean, this team has never been blindsided in my experience by the growing demand for technical bandwidth and computing power. And so they've helped avoid unnecessary strains on their technical infrastructure as, as a result. The more nuanced scale issues come into play when thinking about the diversity of a healthcare technology company's clients, in my experience. The consumer trends we discussed earlier are not yet fully formed in healthcare. So not every healthcare system has made the operational investment in either digital innovation with a focus on consumer convenience that Providence has, though there are a rapidly growing number of providers and payers that are following suit. As such, I, the way I look at it is there are almost always especially in an emerging market like the one Binary Fund plays in, an element of market education and a demand for high-touch client services that can create strains if a company hasn't anticipated this facet of their market. So for some large clients, even sophisticated ones like Providence, you need to invest in dedicated resources that can, in effect, show our colleagues who are learning about consumerism and healthcare and how to leverage all of the information that, you know, Ramu and Binary Fountain harness to make the best use of that information and tools that we provide. So anticipating and scaling these capabilities is also something the Binary team has done well, but it continues to be a journey for all of us. And, that, and that's to be expected. You know, we have, we've talked about this a number of times on this podcast that the mission of scaling, um, you know, is kind of a, you know, it just seems like a year to year evolution. Yeah, but it's it's nice that you've got such a great head start and you're working with such a good team. Ramu, let me let me ask you this. I was reading an interview with your CFO, Lisha Jarish. Am I saying that right? Yep. Lisha. Lisha. She was talking about how Binary Fountain uses AI, artificial intelligence, to help make better financial investments and other decisions for your company. And that, uh, that made me very curious and gave me pause because artificial intelligence really has, has you know, it's a lot of buzz these days. You, you, you hear about it a lot. You hear about AI a lot and machine learning a lot. Seems like everyone is trying to figure out how to harness the power of these things. So how are you using AI? Yeah, so the way that we do it today is, you know, AI, I'm putting my electrical engineering hat on. 
AI is such a broad topic. You know, it's such, everyone says they're doing AI. Well, let me kind of get real specific. Within the artificial intelligence world, what we do is natural language processing, uh, better known as NLP. We put a lot of emphasis on that. And what we've done is the way that the natural language processing works, it can read unstructured data. And what we've done is created an intelligent ecosystem that we've been able to categorize what is the comment about. It's about bedside manner. It's about doctor's behavior. It's about front desk. We created an, a natural language processing with, a, with 37 categories. And so when we read a comment, we actually are parsing what categories are those comments going into. And then from a scale to one to five is really how are they scoring those categories? I had uh, met Dr. Pat McKay. His bedside manner is great. It, it really is. Truly just a joy, funny, tall. And, and so what we've done is we said, ah, oh, great. So on a scale from uh, one to five, it's a five. Ah, and they're talking about his bedside manner. So that's how we rank it. So we've created this natural language processing that allows us to categorize all this information, a lot of information, and it's a consistent way of understanding back to our consumer journey. I mean, that sounds like a great use. Great use of, and it's actually the first time I've really ever really had something explained to me on that subject that I understood. That and that and blockchain, um, you know, it can be a little, you know, sometimes the def definitions can be a little effusive. Um, Jeff, in your opinion, again, just a little bit more on this AI thing, is AI going to become a more prevalent technology within the medical field in general? So I'm I'm going to echo a few thoughts that I've heard just in the in the the last few minutes of our our podcast. One is I can certainly attest that almost every single company pitch I hear these days touts some element of machine learning or AI in their technology stack. Some of them have it, some of them don't. Uh, it's definitely one of the most prolific buzzwords in the industry right now. And so I and the team have been spending a lot of time thinking about the space and researching and talking to companies over the past 12 to 18 months? I mean, the short answer is, of course, right? So healthcare, healthcare is burdened by a shrinking workforce, exponentially growing data and information, and incredible pressures to do more at the same or better quality than we have with less resources. So the industry is ripe for AI-enabled elements of automation and intelligence that can augment the brilliant doctors, nurses, and administrators working together to deliver care today and we're seeing the power of AI enter the market in areas one might expect. For example, diagnostic image analysis, right? I mean, it's kind of one of the more, quote unquote, mature segments in the AI space. But getting to predictive analytics to help us better anticipate and triage patients or in binary fountains case consumers, those needs are fast following. And I expect them to be maturing in the market, you know, real time over the next, you know, three to five years. Well, thank you both for uh, for sort of going down that divergent path there with me for a little bit, because I, I just really do think it's an interesting subject, one that I expect to have come up again on the podcast. Um, Ramu, new subject here. Do you think your experience outside the medical field, uh, obviously early on and then here and there throughout your career, was helpful to you in getting involved with, you know, Binary Fountain, at least, of, you know, the healthcare. Um, side of Binary Fountain? I mean, the answer is, I think the one that got me excited, so I, I've been a paramedic for a long time, so I, unfortunately, you see patients in the probably their worst moment 
and time. And, you know, so, and very rarely do you see them give reviews about paramedics. You know, the, the situation isn't good. The really thing that really got me interested was me sitting on the Children's Hospital Board and really understanding, you know, I always say this, once you have a child, the most important thing in that parent's life is that child. And when you understand how important patient experience is, uh, before I even started, I'm going to be clear, I didn't start Binary Fountain. I was asked to come in and be a CEO of this company, you know, to, to witness that and then translate that into a business. I've just been, it's just been a great experience to actually make it practical. It's been very helpful. And it's so true to what you say about once you have kids, it's just unbelievable how much perspective that brings in. I can't believe I missed paramedic. I felt like I was sitting there reading your bio for 20 minutes and not once did the, the word paramedic jump out. So that's, a, that's pretty interesting. So Jeff, I would love to hear your review of Ramu. What's it like working with a person um, who, who brings a kind of experience and, you know, the, the resume and just, you know, the, the kind of dude he is, the kind of person he is? So short answer, he's a pain in my ass. Totally kidding. Perfect. Uh, it's been a rewarding experience for me in many, many ways. Um, I find Ramu to be a fierce competitor, but one of the most genuine and caring CEOs I've worked with. He tells it like it is, which is how I like to try to operate and he thrives on his ability to bring in promising young talent and mentor his team to success and personal growth. I mean, as I think back four or five years before we met, if I looked at his background on paper before meeting and working with him, it might have raised some questions, right? Like, why does a big company guy want to run a startup, even though he had run startups in the past, especially in healthcare? I mean, I, I love my industry, but I'm here for the long haul, right? A lot of people have options and it's not an easy industry to navigate. So I would say, but having been together for several years now and watching Ramu scale the business across multiple dimensions, I've learned to appreciate what the diversity of his experience and his operating perspectives can bring to a smaller company. I mean, there have been many instances over the past few years, and it pains me to admit this in front of him, where he's helped me to think bigger about the opportunity before us. I, I think back to the line from uh, Shawshank Redemption. They spoke of the protagonist in that meeting or in that movie, rather being institutionalized. I mean, that's sometimes... I, I fear becoming myopic because healthcare and healthcare technology is a field I've spent nearly my whole career in. And so it's nice to expose yourself to diversity of perspectives and to challenge the status quo. Ramu and our company, Binary Fountain, are doing that in many ways. Thanks, Jeff. Great movie analogy, by the way. You're, you're, you're making me feel like I need to think bigger. Ramu, your turn. What's your review of Jeff and the team at Providence? What's it like working with them? So let me uh, let me start off by doing this, and I and I have no reason to blow smoke because it's not who I am. So I appreciate is in my tenure of running big companies, small companies, and now you know binary fountain. Um, I have seen all types of venture capitalist and private equity guys. I've seen it all, from you know the barbarians at the gates to everything, and. I have no reason to say this. I say this behind him, in front of him, behind him. I put him in one of the top quadrants for the following reasons. Every business goes through up and down. And a true test of people that are around the table is to understand that businesses go up and down. Many times you get people that are around the table that I call, and I can say this, are spreadsheet jockeys. And they go, well, your quarter dipped. Well, how about trying to understand what's happening with the market 
or really rolling up your sleeves. And Jeff has done a phenomenal job of understanding our business, understanding the market, understanding that businesses every day just don't go vertically. You, you go up and down. And as a CEO, you want to make your venture partners, yeah, they brought in money, they bring in their careers on it, but really a sounding board to help you look at things because they look at things in a different way. And Jeff is a great partner. And I think the thing that I've got to appreciate with Jeff is he is very, very, very detailed oriented, therefore making me and my team more detailed oriented in how we look at stuff. In other words, I'm a pain in his ass. <laughs> Translation, pain in the butt. Uh, there are people that, that come into, I, I, I'm not going to give the names, but I've had venture capitalists come in and saying, hey, I'm just going to do this to be contrarian. And I go, well, that's a waste of time. If I'm saying it's black and you want to say it's blue, we're not making anything. When Jeff says, hey, I'm not sure you're doing this right or I don't understand something, it's far from just trying to be contrarian. He's trying to actually help you. And, and so I don't look at that as a pain. Trust me, I've been on the other side where, you know, I spend three hours trying to figure out the contrarian view of what's my board meeting going to be like. And those become painful. And, and, and within the Providence ecosystem, Jeff has taken ownership of helping us navigate a very large and complicated health system. You know, we've been at it over there for five years, and Jeff is a very big advocate of putting us in front of the right people. So he's not just a venture capitalist. He's a business partner in helping us succeed with our platform. Well, this is the fourth podcast, I think. Fourth or fifth one I think we've done together, Jeff. And that's definitely the first time anybody's complimented me. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, that's all 100% believable. I love hearing about this sort of contrarian for the sake of contrarian, because in my own industry, the communications industry, I've met so many people who just want to start fires just to start them, just because people start to move. And there's, they almost felt like there was a whole management style that was just start a fire, doesn't matter what or why. And I just love hearing, uh, you know, maybe it's the electrical engineer in you again. <laughs> I don't do very good in the contrarian world. You can ask Jeff. I don't, I, I don't fare well. I don't fare well. And neither will the person on the other side. I'm just very open. I just, you know, give me valid points. Uh, don't just, you know, shoot. Yeah, it happens. So let me just throw this at you guys. Maybe, you know, Ramu, you can go first or Jeff first. You know, beyond having an opportunity for more scale, Ramu, for you, let's, let, let's, let's do that. Let's let, let's have let's have this one for you. Beyond having an opportunity for 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 more more scale, and then also just to be able to work with somebody who's kind of willing to get in and understand the nuts and bolts of what's really going on, and 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 make things evolve in an interesting way. What else can you do now that Providence is is teamed up with you folks at Binary Fountain? Can you evolve the company in a different way now? Um, and can you look at different goals? Yeah, I think I think. <laughs> You know, Providence is one of the largest health systems in the country. We as businesses need to learn the pluses and the minuses of working with companies like that and, and health systems like that, because then it allows us to take these learning lessons and apply them to other systems. And I think that if you don't do that, you, you know, you're not you're not doing justice to the system. So it, it's look, I, I think that Jeff would, you know, this needs to be deleted. It can it's not always easy. I mean, this isn't a five put, this is not a five inch putt every day working with it because you have, you know, health systems like any other organizations have personalities. 
and uh, Providence has really grown and you have different personalities. And so my technology, my products and services is uh, personality agnostic, okay? And we have to weave through those personalities in order to be successful. And that's where people like Jeff can help us. That was pretty good, Jeff. Personality agnostic. I like that. I, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the marketing materials. Exactly. It's a, it's a great word in the communication industry for sure. I will borrow that. Pat, I might, I might just add, uh, you know, add to what Ramu is saying there. So I, I think just to be a little more specific, I mean, Ramu's being generous in some ways, and I think um, cryptic and others while making a really good point. I'll be a little more specific because I'm, I'm comfortable. I have a lot of respect and, um, and, and certainly am at Providence for many, many reasons. I respect the mission of this organization and the people who work here. Um, you know, I, I, going back to one of the earlier themes, uh, one of the, the challenges and opportunities for Binary Fountain as a business is they are a maturing player, a maturing company in a segment that itself is maturing. And when I, when I say that, a specific example is they have aspects of their solution that address patient experience, right? And what we're seeing, not only at Providence, but at other clients, and I think across the industry as a whole, is real time watching our industry grow up and say, those two things, patient experience and marketing, which have for a long time been operated as very separate business units, have overlapping needs and dependencies, where a company like Binary Fountain can begin to show us a path toward better integrating those functions. And so there's a technology capability. There's also the political landscape. There's the operational infrastructure, you, you know, that you have to knit together. And I think that's the stuff, especially in an emerging market like reputation management and, and patient experience that gets really fun, but can be challenging. And so what we've tried to do is bring those two audiences that historically at Providence and at many provider organizations haven't necessarily spent a lot of time together. We bring them into the same room, right? And we, we sort of watch, knock on wood, the magic happen when they collectively talk to um, Ramu and his team about the art of the possible, right, about this stuff. So to Ramu's point, that's not always easy for a lot of the reasons I kind of alluded to in some of those comments, but it's the kind of thing that's necessary to really can keep a company and quite frankly, its clients evolving and, 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 um, and succeeding. It's great to hear. From your perspective, what can startup medical technology companies learn from Binary Fountain and a leader like Ramu? Yeah, so I, I think throughout the discussion today, we've woven in a bunch of these elements. So I'll, it's, this is going to sound like platitudes um, or, or sort of general guidelines. So number one, understand the problem that you want to solve and how your solution can help solve it. And following very shortly after you begin to do that, demonstrate value. It could be a variety of different metrics, but demonstrate value. And I think those initial two ingredients are, are the success factors I see most commonly across companies that kind of break through the emerging new entrant category into, you know, growth company, right? The other thing, and I think Ramu and his team have done an amazing job of this so far, is to very carefully observe your evolving market. And again, I think it's especially important for a newer segment in healthcare, like consumerism, like reputation management and patient experience, 
there is Ramu and his team are not the only ones trying to bring a solution to the table, right? And there are big companies and small companies all trying to understand how they attack this problem and, and deliver value to it. And so understanding where you are in that ecosystem, are you the small fish? Are you the big fish? Can you work with the big fish to be a bigger fish? I, I mean, it, it's it's really complex to be able to pivot to meet the market where it where it needs you to be. And then finally... And quite frankly, I think this is this is an opportunity you earn. And I, I've seen Ramu and his team, you know, I, I, he may disagree with this, but really earn this opportunity in the past couple of years as they've done all the preceding steps that I just mentioned, which is to think big, right? So once you've you've established that there's a market for your solution, you've demonstrated value, you're beginning to grow, and you understand where you fit and where you can win in the market, then start to think big. And you can't do all these at once. I mean, especially the think big part in my, in my experience. I've seen way too many healthcare technology companies bite off more than they can chew from day one, raising too much capital too early, you know, before they've really nailed the product market fit. And so I think there's some, some things to watch out there for new entrepreneurs or, or you know, non-healthcare entrepreneurs kind of entering into our market. And then finally, I think the other thing, enabling your solution, both from a technology perspective and a services perspective, which I talked about around, you know, being able to have a high enough touch client services group when you're educating a market how to make the most of your solution, being able to meet a diverse set of customers, kind of quote unquote, where they are, having a clear strategy around how to do that, I've, I've found to be essential when delivering technology to healthcare. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff. Incredibly apt and helpful advice. Uh, Ramu, what about you? What do you think young innovators should do to increase their chances for success in the field of medical technology? I think the first thing is you have to have patience. Ba-bump-bump. Pun, right? <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, the medical, you know, and I, I, I say this is I'm trying to figure out which is sometimes slower, uh, the medical industry or the U.S. government. I can't figure it out yet because I've had to deal with both. So young entrepreneurs have to be patient. It's it's exactly what Jeff has said is sometimes people get overfunded, drain a lot of cash and trying to define of what they have to do. So I think, you know, young, young you know, entrepreneurs in my mind should do, you know, if I had a couple of simple things is first, you got to keep it simple, do it in, in, in small steps and it keep moving the ball down the court. And then eventually, once you get, you know, past the 50-yard line and you actually have something, that's when you start putting the, you know, the appropriate teams around, get the right people, get the right investors, i.e. like a providence to the table. But I think the first 50 yards is a lot of hard work um, and understanding the market and understanding that the market is not as fast as, as as people would like in our industry. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, you have to watch companies that are in front of us today. You know, the Amazons and the Googles and stuff like that didn't get created in the healthcare industry. They got created outside of the industry and now they're being applied inside the industry. And so I just think that, you know, you got to be patient with that. Love it. Again, patience. P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. That's correct. Exactly. No, it makes sense. It's fantastic advice. I love hearing that. I love the sports metaphors, um, especially this time of year. Um, so, uh, Ramu, let's just stay with you. Just a couple of quick sentences. R really, we don't, we don't need... We'd just love to quickly hear. Binary fountain in five years. Binary fountain in five years. The first thing is we want to be 
synonymous in the healthcare space with patient experience is that people understand that we are all about the journey of the patient and helping hospital systems. The second thing I would say is we have created a score that is on U.S. News Report. It's a FICA score for physicians to grade their online presence three, four years from now. We hope that that is, you know, just, uh, you know, are you talking about my FICA score? What's your PSI score? Uh, those are things that we look at in the healthcare industry. Love that. Very clear, very clear goals. Fantastic. Jeff, are you, uh, are, are you, are, are you, uh, are you on board with that? Fully, <laughs> fully. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for our future. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I can't thank either of you enough for being on the podcast today. This was a lot of fun. Um, Jeff Stolte and Ramu Potorazu, um, thanks for being here. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it, Pat. Ramu, thank you so much. Thanks, man. You're the best. Thank you, buddy. That's it for this episode of Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, or just want to talk about whatever's on your mind, please do check out the Prov Innovation channel on Medium and leave your thoughts or follow Providence Ventures on Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.